Okay, let's turn back to Psalm 103 this morning. As our children were growing up, we would often have a time of... Son? How's that? No? I just checked it. Time out. Did I know? Yes. Okay. Technical difficulties. Okay. Well, let's start over again. As our children were growing up, we would often gather around the supper table and just have a time uh, of praise and prayer. And sometimes you might hear the retort, Oh, you took my praise. So that means uh, you have to think of another one. And would you believe sometimes you draw a blank when it was your turn? You couldn't think of anything? Well, if you're like me, you don't always praise the Lord the way that you ought to. And we are unlike the psalmist who could declare, Every day I will bless you. In just a few more days, most of us will gather at someone's home for Thanksgiving Day. We will enjoy the food and the friends and the fellowship, but will we actually thank and praise the Lord for his manifold blessings? Why is this so difficult for us? Why do we have such a hard time giving God his due recognition? Maybe we spend more time counting our problems than counting our blessings. Maybe we spend too much time thinking about our worldly, earthly responsibilities. Maybe we're too concerned about all the bad stuff going on in the world. But every day, we have a choice about what we think upon and whether or not we will spend time thanking God for who he is and for all that he's done. What life brings every day, whether that be good or whether that be bad in our mind, should not deter us from praising God. God is always good, and we have an obligation to praise him. So whether you're in the depths of despondency, the plight of persecution, the rigor of responsibility, the tribulation of trial, there's still much for which to bless the Lord. As a matter of fact, a determination in your heart to bless God is something that will lift your spirit and help you cope with everyday life. Psalm 103 is authored by King David, who calls upon himself to bless the Lord. And as he does so, he lists a number of benefits that come to us from God and also reveal the character of God from whom all blessings flow. We don't have to wait for Thanksgiving Day, just one day a year to praise the Lord. We can do this every day. It ought to become a practice. And hopefully, as we look at the psalm today, that will help us bless the Lord as we should. Let's ask his blessing now as we continue. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the book of Psalms, for... Uh, It relays to us 
not only the blessings uh, that come from you, but blessings that should go to you for all that you've done. And Lord, we thank you that uh, in the times of the Psalms, as they were being written, they focus not only on the high points of life, but the low ones. And we pray, Lord, that they would be a blessing to us today as we look at this particular psalm. Help us, Lord, to once again be reminded of the great things you have done, for which we should bless and praise you each and every day. May these be an encouragement to us as well, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this psalm really has three movements. The first one is in the first five verses. And here David calls upon himself to bless the Lord. Uh, It's a personal call to praise. And then he shifts to relating his thoughts to others, namely the nation of Israel, and recalling what God has done for them as a people in verses 6 through 18. And finally, he alludes to God's sovereignty in the last few verses, beginning verse 19, and calls upon the whole universe to praise him. But I think it would be helpful as we approach this psalm by asking some questions that focus on blessing or praising the Lord. We're going to look at a few of these today. So first of all, let's begin with verse 1 and ask the question, how should we bless the Lord? But first, let's consider the meaning of this idea of blessing. As you look at the beginning of the psalm, you'll find that David repeats the phrase uh, seven times in in, in the psalm. Bless the Lord. Four times he calls upon himself to bless the Lord in verses 1 and 2, and then in verse 22. Two times he calls upon the angels or the heavenly host to bless the Lord at the uh, the end of the psalm in verse 21, I believe it is, or 20. And these are, of course, are God's most powerful created beings who do his bidding in both heaven and on earth. And finally, he addresses all the works of God to bless him, which would include all creation, animate and inanimate. So this is totally appropriate since the Lord is the creator God of all things. So what does it mean then to bless the Lord? Well, we most often think of blessing in terms of what we receive from God and all the things he does to benefit us, whether those things are spiritual or material in nature. Of course, we cannot bless God in the same way he blesses us. Uh, He is far superior to us. We're dependent upon him for everything, really. But he is blessed by our devotion, by our worship, by our adoration, by our praise, by our obedience, by our service to him. Why is it? Well, because we're uh, we're, uh, fulfilling his will by doing these things. We're giving him the honor that's due his name. Now, the word bless is actually derived from a word that means to bow down 
And when you bow down in a human relationship, you're showing your honor or your respect. Usually this is a situation of a person of inferior status to one of superior status. So when you bow down to that person, you are, uh, in a sense, blessing them. Um, <clears throat> uh, we're showing that we uh, love the Lord when we bless him. When we bow down to the Lord, we're praising him, we're giving him the honor that's due in our relationship, and we're thanking him for everything that he has done for us. Now, this is an action that we don't just do uh, expressing some kind of a uh, a, a, a physical action, it's verbal in nature, it's personal in nature, and it's continual in nature. If you flip over to Psalm 145 for a moment, uh, this is a, a, a similar psalm of praise to the Lord, but it begins in this way. It says in verse 1, I will extol you, my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. That's continual, that's constant, not only in this life, but in the next life. Now, in eternity, we're going to be constantly praising the Lord. Every day I will bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. So each of these psalms has these thoughts in mind, these actions in mind, that we are praising God for who he is, for his greatness. So we do this on an everyday basis, and we do it personally before God, and we verbalize it before the Lord. And so the purpose is to encourage others to, to bless God by thinking about his attributes, his benefits to his people, his mighty acts, his love for us, so how often then do you call upon yourself like David did, urge yourself, motivate yourself to praise the, the Lord? Not just Sunday morning when we meet together and we sing praises, but every day uh, that we get up, we ought to be praising the Lord. Do you think often of his many benefits and then turn them into praises? Now, with that in mind, how then should we bless the Lord? Well, we should bless the Lord with all of our being. That's what David says here. All that is within me, bless his holy name. The whole person, the whole man, all that is within me. And this is the first of a number of alls we find in the psalm. So as we go through them, you might want to just tick them off uh, to remind yourself of uh, all the things that we can praise God for. Uh, he mentions here my soul a couple of times. So all the things within me and my soul are synonymous with each other. God called upon ancient Israel to love him with all their heart, their mind, their soul, their strength. That simply means the whole person, the whole man. So when we come to worship the Lord, whether it be personally or as a body of believers, we should be totally involved. That means we engage our minds about what, our, uh, what we're doing. Now I know before I'm done today, your mind's going to go someplace else. And when it does that, you've got to snatch it and bring it back here. So that you're thinking about uh, what God's saying. And we have to be careful that when we do that on a personal basis, we do the same thing because sometimes... Your mind goes off this morning, 
as I was uh, preparing for everything, uh, my mind would, would go off to something else I'm doing at another time. I just say, well, Lord, i got to come back. This doesn't matter right now. So we have to keep our mind engaged <clears throat> because really the mind is kind of the, uh, the controller of the emotions and the will. So we've got to keep it where it ought to be. Uh, so we engage our mind. We're thinking about the right things uh, so we can worship God and praise the Lord. And that then in turn affects our emotions and the will, not the other way around. There are some groups today who like to turn that around and get yourself emotionally worked up and your brain's really not in, uh, in tune. But that's not the way God says we ought to do it. As these psalmists compose their poetry and their music, uh, the result of their thinking uh, affected the feeling, the emotion, and the will to worship God. So blessing God begins with your mind, and then it will affect your, your uh, will and your emotions. And our private times of worship ought to be wholehearted as well. We don't just read the Bible so we say, oh, I read my Bible today. We don't uh, say our prayers so we can just be done with them. We don't have our mind half on the day's work and half on praising God. We need to be totally involved as we come before him for uh, a few minutes at least every day. Now, from this point for forward, uh, the psalmist uh, uh, portrays for us, David mentions a number of reasons why we should bless the Lord. So that's what we're going to deal with the rest of the morning. Why should we bless the Lord? What is it that causes the whole man to praise him? And David recites numerous benefits that suggest why we should praise the Lord. And if we think about these truths, we should really have lots of reasons to praise God. But let's first of all consider what he says at the end of chapter, or excuse me, verse 2, and forget not all his benefits. That suggests to us the possibility we can forget. And we often do forget. So we bless the Lord so as not to forget his benefits. Out of sight, out of mind. We've heard that before. If we do not think about the Lord's benefits, well, then we're not going to praise him for those benefits. And the less we think about them, the easier it is to forget them over time and not really do it at all. Now, I don't, uh, don't know about you, but I'm guilty of being forgetful. Uh, sometimes I forget people's names. Sometimes I can get up to do something, pass through a doorway, and then I forgot what I was going to do. I lay things down all over the place, and I'm looking uh, uh, all over to find something I laid down like 30 seconds ago. Well... That's the way it goes with human beings over time. But that's unacceptable when it comes to praising the Lord. We often become too busy with our life and forget about our spiritual priorities. Now, Moses warned the Old Testament people of God of this danger of forgetting God uh, as they were about to enter the promised land in the book of Deuteronomy. Let me just uh, show you a couple of times. First of all, in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9, 
Moses spoke to them individually. And he said, only take heed to yourself and diligently keep yourself, lest you forget the things your eyes have seen, unless they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Now think about what they had seen up to this point. They had seen Mount Sinai on fire with God's holiness. They had heard uh, the Lord's commandments. They had seen the parting of the Red Sea. They had seen the destruction of the army of uh, Pharaoh. Now this is second generation. Uh, And they had seen their parents all die in the wilderness because of the lack of faith. And God says, I don't want you to forget these things and you better be diligent uh, to keep yourself from forgetting those things. And then in chapter 6, he says, Beware lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. And these exhortations are uh, uh, throughout the book of Deuteronomy and, of course, later on. So he gave the people many similar warnings not to forget the Lord uh, who is going to bless them as they enter the promised land. And when we daily praise the Lord and we remember all his benefits, well, that's going to keep us from being forgetful and then move into the sphere of complacency and apathy where so many Christians are today. Now, from that point, we have a lengthy list here of reasons why we should bless the Lord. So let's go through a few of them this morning. And David really begins with the chief of them in the first part of verse 3. Who forgives all your iniquities. So we bless the Lord for the forgiveness of sin. We praise the Lord with all our being because he forgives all of our iniquities. Now that word iniquity carries with it the idea of guilt that is associated with sin. The sense of wrong that we feel because God has really written his law on our conscience. Now, we can desensitize ourselves to it, but we cannot totally escape it. The Bible says that sin is our primary enemy that separates us from God that prevents us from knowing him or even caring if we know him or not. Isaiah wrote, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy that he cannot hear, but your sins or your iniquities have separated from you, uh, you from God, and he will not hear. So it's sin that separates us from God in the first place. The Bible tells us sin carries a a great penalty, an eternal penalty, and that penalty is death. It is both physical and spiritual in nature. The Bible says the soul that sins, it shall die. For the wages of sin is death, but the the gift of God is eternal life. Now, David goes on to bless God because he redeems our life from destruction, which is, again, the result of sin. So how can we not praise God for his forgiveness, which enables us to know him, to fellowship with him, 
to serve him, to escape uh, eternity in hell, and to be present with him in heaven one day. Now, David understood, he knew the destructive impact of sin, but also the blessedness of forgiveness. Now, let's flip back to Psalm 32 and uh, read his confession, which is really related to his sin with uh, Bathsheba and against her husband, Urijah. So let's go back here uh, to Psalm 32. And notice what he says here. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent, in other words, when I failed to confess my sin, this is how I felt. My bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned to the drought of summer. I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. So he understood the burden of sin and he understood the relief from confessing sin and he understood the truth that is God who forgives our sin. When's the last time you thank the Lord for this truth? That through Christ's sacrifice for your sins, you have been forgiven. You have been forgiven for all of your sins. Even sins that have not yet been committed, you have been forgiven. Now, we're not going to go into the confession part as David did, but just the concept that through Christ, all of our sins have been washed away. What a great truth that is, and a reason to bless God every day. Now, the rest of that verse says, who heals all your diseases. So we bless the Lord for healing all our diseases. Now, what does that mean? Well, it can allude to physical ailments, but it is bad theology that's being taught in some places today to attach this to Christ's atonement and say we're never going to be sick, uh, we're always going to be healed, and if you are not healed, it's not God's fault, it's because you have a lack of faith. Some proclaim uh, that we have a right to be healed of everything if we have enough faith, uh, and God's going to heal us all the time. The word of God does not teach that. We all are going to suffer from bodily ailments, and it's a false philosophy uh, that would say uh, you're always going to be healed because what does that mean? You're never going to die. You're going to be healed from everything. So we have to be careful about some of the teaching that's going out there today in regard to, to healing. But when we think about it, who does ultimately heal us from sickness, from physical illness? Is it a doctor? Is it a prescription? Is it an operation? Well, God may use those things, but ultimately he's the divine healer. 
He's the one who brings us back to health. So whatever you may contract that you could recover from and you do, it's the Lord who's ultimately behind that. Now, how many colds have you had over the years? Have you had the flu? Uh, Did you get the measles, the chicken pox, all the stuff that can go on out there? Uh, You got them, but here we are today because the Lord heals us. He delivers us. Your life is in his hands, and he's delivered you physically from these kind of things multitudes of times. Have you thanked him for that? But then, I don't think it's wrong to take this to a deeper level. The greatest of all diseases that strikes the soul of man is what? It's sin. And sin will cause you to die. As John Gill said in his commentary, spiritual diseases or soul maladies are here meant. The same with iniquities in the preceding clause. Sin is a natural, hereditary, epidemical, nauseous, and mortal disease, and there are many of them, a complication of them in men which God only can cure. So yes, I think we can uh, sense a spiritual meaning behind that as well as a natural meaning behind it, So much science has gone into extending life today, hasn't it? Even cryogenics, which attempts to freeze a person until a cure for the disease that caused their demise is found, hopefully thaw that person out and cure them. Well, I think that's a bunch of baloney, but that's the way some people think. They're, They're so attached to, like, really an eternal physical life. But there's no human cure for the disease of sin, which ultimately will lead to our death. The only antidote for sin is coming to the cross of Christ for salvation. And he's already healed us of this permanent disease, so to speak, this eternal disease. He's healed us of it because he's saved us. So even now, we have healing from death because of what Christ has done. The psalmist goes on with another blessing in verse 4. <clears throat> Who redeems your life from destruction. So we bless the Lord because he redeems our life. He redeems it from destruction. Now redemption is another biblical theme. A redeemer was a person, usually a relative, who had the capacity to rescue a kinsman from bondage, from danger, from some uh, type of harmful, harmful circumstances, often by paying a price. Now the Lord is the kinsman redeemer of his people, and in the New Testament, the Lord Jesus is the redeemer who delivers us from sin's penalty. Now the term destruction here in this verse translates literally as the pit or the abyss. And it alludes to Sheol or the grave, the Old Testament term for, for, the, uh, for death. And of course, there were many times in David's life 
that God delivered him from physical destruction or death. He he escaped death in numerous battles. He escaped uh, the attempts of Saul to take his life. And the Lord has probably delivered you also from life-threatening situations. I remember years ago as a little boy, I was out with my dad when he was doing some custom um, uh, 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 cutting, uh, cutting down uh, the weeds in the field. <clears throat> and I was sitting on the, uh, the fender of the tractor. And I was playing a little game. Every time he went around the corner real fast, I would let my body go out and see how far I could go. Well, one time I went a little too far, lost my balance, reached out to stop myself. Well, there's nothing there but the wheel of the tractor. And it pulled me down in front of the wheel. My dad saw me just in time and stopped the tractor. Otherwise, I would have been run over. So the Lord delivered me in that physical situation where I could have had serious harm or even been killed. And he's probably done that for you as well. So the Lord delivers us from destruction, from death in a physical sense. But again, we go to the New Testament perspective and the spiritual thought comes out there as well. The Lord Jesus delivers us, uh, redeems us from the pit of hell, the pit of destruction. He paid the price of our redemption when he died on the cross of Calvary. And those who place their trust in him uh, alone, they're going to be delivered from eternal punishment in the lake of fire. So again, uh, we have something great to praise God for, that Jesus is our redeemer and he's already redeemed us or bought us out of the place of destruction. He goes on to say in the same verse, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercy. So we bless the Lord because he crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies. And here we see the grace of God working, don't we? Really, in this whole uh, psalm, we see the grace of God. Everything relates to his mercy here. Now, we run into a term here uh, in verse 4, loving kindness. And we see that very often in the Old Testament. Uh, it's, a, it's the Hebrew word chesed, which speaks of the Lord's faithful love uh, to his covenant people that he never lets them down, his, his goodness, his kindness to us. Tender mercies alludes to his compassion, uh, his deeply felt care for his people. And he's bestowed these graces upon us like a crown. Now, a crown is something that's given to honor or praise someone. Often uh, it's given in recognition of some achievement or some position. For instance, an athlete receives a medal or a trophy for winning a competition. A king wears a crown in recognition of his authority, his power, his rule. Now the difference for us is we don't deserve to be crowned. But God in his mercy and his kindness blesses us with a crown of salvation. So again, the Lord has crowned us undeservingly because of his love for us, his mercy toward us in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the last thing that he mentions here is in verse 5. 
And here we see that we bless the Lord because he satisfies us with good things that renew and refresh us daily to be able to do his will. So verse 5, who satisfies your mouth with good things. Now that term there, mouth, is a really difficult one to translate. And uh, look at different translations, you're going to find different words there. Actually, it it actually means to to adorn or speaks of an an ornament. And translators didn't exactly know what to do with it. But the idea is that the Lord satisfies you uh, with good things. Most people seek to have a life where they are satisfied, where they are content. They want to feel safe, protected, well off. And of course, most folks today attempt to fulfill that quest in a material way, which never really satisfies, because a natural man always wants more than he has and more than he needs. Now, only the Lord can give us true satisfaction in life. Materially speaking, nobody here can say that they're uh, suffering want. And God has abundantly blessed us with all kinds of good things, plenty of food, a nice home to live in, transportation, good job, friends, family, all these material types of things. And we should rightfully bless God for those things uh, as well because they are earthly benefits that come to us. But again, the blessings of this psalm, the blessings of the New Testament focus more on the spiritual than the material. You remember in Ephesians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul lists some of the spiritual blessings we have from heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And he mentions there our predestination, adoption as sons of God, redemption through Christ's blood, the forgiveness of sin, and our eternal inheritance in heaven. Those are all spiritual benefits, and they're all reasons to praise and glorify the Lord. And our psalmist illustrates the result of these good things, when he goes on to say in verse 5, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And so there's a spiritual implication here. Now, uh, some have suggested that this alludes to the molting of uh, the eagle where new feathers are replacing the old ones. And it seems that the eagle retains strength and vigor for its whole life. So the Lord gives us good things in life that renew our strength so we can live and serve him. And the spiritual side is brought out in the word of God as well. Do you remember Isaiah 40, 31? They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not faint. There's a spiritual implication there. And in the New Testament, we find that the Lord saves us by the renewing or regeneration of the Holy Spirit. We are transformed into the likeness of Christ by the renewing of our minds in obedience to his word. We put on the new spiritual man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Do we thank the Lord For the strength he gives us, not just to do our daily physical tasks in the world, 
but to obey him, to grow up to maturity in him, and to serve him. Now we're going to stop there this morning and continue next week. But we have seen already an abundance of reasons as to why we ought to thank and praise the Lord. So will you, like David, call upon yourself each day to bless the Lord? Perhaps we can even use this as a pattern for our praise as we think about the relief that comes from knowing our sins are forgiven. For all the times you've been healed physically and then permanently from the disease of sin. Will you bless him who has redeemed you from the pit of eternal destruction and crowned you with his love and kindness and mercy and grace? Will you thank him daily for giving you all that you need for a life of contentment and joy, both materially and spiritually? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for the abundance of reasons that we have to bless your name. This morning, Lord, we just mentioned a few. We're thankful, Lord, that through Christ, all of our sins have been forgiven. We're thankful that because of your love for us, we don't have to worry about our, our eternal future. We will die physically, Lord, but our soul will go immediately to be in your presence. It will never experience the pit of hell. We're thankful, Lord, that your mercy and your kindness has always been bestowed upon us. It, it, it acts like a crown upon our heads. We're thankful, Lord, that we have received so many good things from you, so many benefits, both in the material world, but mainly in the spiritual. And so, as we think about these things, we're renewed each day to serve you. And we pray, Lord, that these would be an encouragement to us today and throughout the week. Help us, Lord, to take time each day to bless your name. We ask in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.